Thank you for tuning in to Avant Life's weekly podcast. We hope this message inspires you, stirs your faith, and leaves you blessed. We're finishing our eight-week series on, on uh, Send Me, which we find in the passage of Isaiah 6, verse 1 to 8, and I'm going to read it out to you today. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces, and with two, they covered their feet, and with two, they were flying, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty." Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. We have been walking through this statement that we find in Isaiah, which Isaiah says in the very presence of the Lord Almighty, Here am I, send me. Over the past eight weeks, we've we've talked about the call coming from the nature of the one who calls. And it is in the understanding of the call and of the nature of the one who calls that we are then commissioned into our personal commission into this world. But first, you must be able to spiritually locate yourself. Isaiah says, here am I. He knew where he was. He was in the presence of the Lord. And the question that we asked is, where are you? Do you know how to spiritually locate yourself? Here am I. And location is not actually the answer. We find that in the passage of Matthew 4, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishes of men. We find that the answer is actually in proximity to Jesus that we find how to locate ourselves. That the call and the commission is actually a progression and that the progression is found in the statement, follow me and I will make you fishes of men. I will make you requires proximity to Jesus and that proximity to Jesus is found in fellowship. It's not perfection. It should not be mistaken for purely service. And that shame is overcome by our proximity to Jesus. And we journeyed through those statements. Over the last two weeks, we've talked about the send me component of the Isaiah statement. Send me. And Pastor Ben shared about an interaction that Jesus had with a man that was demon possessed. And how an encounter with Jesus not only set him free, but sent him on mission. To bear witness to what Jesus Christ, what an encounter with Jesus Christ did in his life. And Pastor Jason last week spoke of the Samaritan woman who changed her city because of an encounter with Jesus Christ. And today we're going to talk about the Great Commission, which we find in Matthew chapter 28. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20. The call comes from the nature of the one who calls, and it is in this understanding of the call and of the nature of the one who calls, that we are then commissioned. When we have that understanding, we are then able to be commissioned into his nature. Therefore, our commissioning is not void 
of the nature of the one who calls. Rather, it is in the nature of the one who calls that the commissioning is empowered, which we are going to see through this passage in Matthew 28. The commissioning, while it is a personal approach to the call of God in your life, it does not require less of the person of God, but more. So in Matthew 28, would you turn to me on the mountain in Galilee, where 11 disciples gather at the sight of the resurrected Jesus. It says this, Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the passage that we know as the Great Commission. You will hear it recited in churches across the globe. Our great commission is found in Matthew 28 that Jesus says to 11 disciples on a mountain in Galilee once he has been resurrected. Before he is ascended to his throne in heaven, Jesus gives them this commission. And so we're going to have a look at what this commission means for us today in light of Isaiah's passage of here am I, send me. What is it that you are being sent with You are being sent into this great commission, sent with this great commission. The statement, all nations, go and make disciples of all nations. All nations reveals that the work of Christ was always a work for all. It was always a work for all. Therefore, salvation is for all. Where Jesus taught the disciples, he also then commissioned them. He brings them back to the place where he first called them. It was in Galilee that Jesus first said, come and follow me and I will make you, decide, I will make you fishes of men. And it's in that same location that he commissions, him, commissions them in all authority into the world. It is at the be- he takes them back to the beginning of their discipleship journey to commission them into discipleship journeys for, this nation, for the nations. The place that he called them is where he commissions them. Galilee, but to go further into the world. The wider mission is launched where the original mission began. And this continuation of the teachings of Christ cannot be understated. It is a continuation of the teachings of Christ. Jesus' universal lordship now commands a universal mission. He cannot be universal Lord without a universal mission for us to be involved in. And in this declaration, Jesus says, I may have been crucified king of the Jews in your eyes, but in your eyes, let it be seen that my Lordship is over all of heaven and earth. You may have seen me go to the grave as king of the Jews, but let in your eyes now in my resurrection prove to you the Lordship that I have over all heaven and earth. Jesus' universal lordship now commands a universal mission, which we are then inheriting. Christ is Lord of all nations, of heaven and earth, and it is under this authority that we are commissioned into all nations that he has all authority over. This means for us that no place under heaven or earth is exempt from his lordship. 
This means that no place is too difficult, too far, too broken, too left or right, too high or too low, too rich or too poor. No place under heaven and earth is out of the reach of the Lordship of the resurrected King. This means that no place can escape the love of Jesus Christ that we find in salvation. So when people tell you that Surrey is too big, when people tell you that the North Shore is too affluent, when people tell you that Squamish is too out of reach and that the internet is too flooded with darkness, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to Jesus. Therefore, all nations, all tribes and tongues have been called under his lordship. So we will go. We will go with baptism and teaching in our hands, with authority and power in our spirit and with the presence of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit to lead us to the end of the age. That is our declaration. That is our great commitment. Jesus' universal lordship commands a universal mission, and we get to be a part of that. Teaching them to, be, to obey everything I have commanded you is what he says. Up to this point, Jesus alone has been their teacher. Now, Jesus is commissioning them as teachers under his authority. They are not to just teach ideas, but to teach that leads to obedience to what Christ has commanded. To make disciples is not complete unless it leads them to a life of obeying Jesus' commandments. To be a disciple requires obedience, obedience to Christ and obedience to his nature, to the way of Jesus Christ, which is obedience even death and to a cross. Dying to ourselves so that others might find life in Jesus Christ, that is the obedience that we get to partake in. Making disciples It refers to the initial invitation that Jesus gave them when he called them. In the same way that he said, follow me, he's commissioning his disciples to show the nations the journey that they have just walked. He's saying, invite them into the path that you have just walked. Invite them into your world. Invite them into your journey. This is what it is to be a disciple, to show them how you have followed me. When we put into practice this command, Others also must put it into practice as Christ instructed us to instruct them. Therefore, the response to a new life in the Trinity, in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is not just a thought, it's not just a doctrine, but rather it's a relentless pursuit of the Trinity for those whom he loves. It is a relentless pursuit of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for those that he loves. Teaching. For the disciples to be teachers, they first had to come with a spirit of teachability. For you to teach what Christ has taught you, you must be willing to always be teachable when it comes to Christ's ways. Adele Cahoon in her book on spiritual discipline says this regarding teachability. Knowledge is a powerful thing. That's why we like to be in the know, to have inside information and not to be left out of the loop. The irony is that we can become skilled in information acquisition and become no more wiser for it. Information doesn't necessarily transform or shape us. Learning something new doesn't mean we are teachable. We can always use information to simply reinforce our own opinions and biases. Gaining knowledge does not equal teachability. Teachability comes with a humility. The Pharisees gained knowledge, yet because of their hard and prideful hearts, they could not see the wisdom of God standing very, very in front of them. 
baptism and creation, we see Jesus say, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Baptizing and teaching specify what is involved in discipleship. Baptizing, to be baptized, is an oath. It's a declaration, a public declaration of where your allegiance and your worship lie. The term name, he says, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is a singular term. It doesn't say names, it says singular name, signifying the oneness of God in three persons. Jesus in this statement is taking his place with the Father and the Holy Spirit on high as the object of their worship and of the disciples' commitment. The experience of God in three persons is the essential basis of discipleship. It is the essential basis of discipleship, understanding who the Trinity, God, three in one, is the basis for our discipleship. In the very nature that we are baptized, it is the very nature that we were called. You think about the call coming from the nature of the one who calls. God calls, Father, Son, Holy Spirit calls. And Pastor Ben shared about how in Isaiah, God speaking out is God, the triune God speaking out. And in that same nature, we are baptized. You know, it's also the same nature that you were created from. In Genesis 1, 26 to 27, it says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. The commission... This great commission leads us back to creation. Baptism into the Trinity is this oath, not only an oath of commitment and allegiance to the Trinity, but into the nature of the Trinity. It is meant to be an eternal commitment to the nature of God because God in his nature is eternal. When we were created, death was not a part of our design because death is not a part of the image of God. And we were created in the image of God. It is the outcome of the separation from the image of God that death came about. Our baptism is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit reinstating the eternal bond of relationship which he birthed when we were born, which when he created us. Our baptism is rebirth, rebirth into the nature of the God we worship who gave us life from the very beginning. It is a part of God's great creation redemption story. The call and the commission are founded on the nature of the one who calls and commissions. This means that in the call and in the commission, we should operate out of that nature of the one who's calling. We don't operate out of our nature, but out of the nature of the one that we have been baptized into. This means that when we respond to the call of God, we don't respond in fear, but in love. We don't respond in doubt, but in faith. We don't respond in anger, but in peace. Our response must come out of the person that we are now baptized into. We don't understand his nature so that we could, so that we could then revert to our nature. We understand his nature so that we can operate out of his nature. All who are baptized are obliged, hear this church, all who are baptized are obliged in their baptism to continue the work of a disciple. 
Your baptism is not the finality of your Christian faith. It is the beginning of your commissioning. If you have been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you have been commissioned to bring the gospel message into this world, teaching and baptizing so that others might know to teach and baptize. It is the relentless pursuit that the Trinity has for us. That is what our mission is as disciples. It is a relentless pursuit of the Trinity. All who are baptized are obliged in their baptism to continue the work of a disciple. It is not the finality of your Christian faith. It is the beginning of your commissioning. The great commission comes with great empowerment. In John chapter 20, verse 19 to 22, we see Jesus, the resurrected King, meeting with his disciples. And he says this in verse 19, on the evening of that on that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And he said this, he showed them with his hands, his, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Therefore, our commissioning is not void of the nature of the one who calls. Rather, it is in the nature of the one who calls that the commissioning is empowered. Empowered. You're commissioned when you've been baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you are empowered by that same nature into your commissioning. The same breath that brought about your life into you is the same breath that you are empowered with. Isn't that an incredible redemption story of creation? That the same, the same breath that actually breathed life into humanity is the same breath that now empowers us to breathe life back into humanity. This empowerment is yet again his very image in us. God keeps breathing into us his very image to affirm to us our identity and our source of empowerment for mission. The same breath that gave life and defeated death is breathed upon, upon us, the very nature of God in his Holy Spirit. God is literally saying, receive me, receive me. In Acts 1, verse 4 to 8, it's a powerful passage of Scripture that we see the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit falls in the upper room. And it says, and Jesus says this in Acts 1 earlier, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And in Acts 2, we see the Holy Spirit fall and tongues of fire fall on the disciples and those who were gathered in the upper room and they start to preach the gospel. Peter starts to preach the gospel and the church of Christ was born. For what purpose was the church of Christ born? So that all authority in heaven and earth for Jesus Christ, that all nations and tribes and tongues who have been called would be able to go and disciple and teach. That is the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is this great commission that we would go into the ends of the earth declaring the goodness of Jesus Christ, teaching the world to obey the commands of Jesus Christ, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. We like to complicate church, but the simple message is the church of Christ was born when people were baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit 
Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit on mission to bring salvation to this world. That is the church. That is the gospel message alive and well in the church. The mission of the church is simple. It is our mission, the great commission. Follow Jesus. Learn from Jesus. Speak Jesus. Baptize into the Trinity. Operate out of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The defeat of Golgotha is the triumph of Galilee. And on that transformation, the church's mission is based. And Jesus says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, we see the baby Jesus presented with this name, Emmanuel, which quite literally means God with us. And now in these final verses in Matthew 28, Jesus, the risen Lord, confirms that promise. I am with you always. He confirms his promises again and again. The promise of God's presence often accompanied his call to serve in the Old Testament. Often when people were commissioned into the work of God, in the service of God in the Old Testament, often God would promise his presence with them. It is not so much a cozy reassurance as it is a necessary equipment for mission. As they went into mission, God promised his presence. It is the same today. And surely I am with you always. Yes, it is an assurance of the peace of Jesus Christ with us, but it is also weaponry for us that the presence of God would be with us as we go into mission. The risen Lord can now make such a promise that God had made to his people in the past. God with us. I am with you always. The great I am, as we see echoed in Exodus to Moses. I am, I am with you always. Christ commissions his disciples in his name and his name is glorious and his name is sovereign and his name is above every other name. This brings the gospel to a dynamic conclusion, which is in fact more of a beginning than an end. Go. This is not a passive statement. In having been baptized into the Trinity from whom we were created and empowered by the Holy Spirit, there should be no apprehension in the mission of making disciples of all nations. This is not a, if you feel like it, or depending on how the nations are faring. It is not wait for the nations to come to you. It is a go, take Jesus to the doorstep of the nations. It is a go. It is not a stop. It is go. So often we're waiting for all these other things to align in our life when Jesus clearly says, go. So what are you waiting for? Is it the Holy Spirit? Then let's invite him. Our nature from the image of God is what, make, what we make covenant back into through our baptism. Out of our baptism, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit into the commission that Christ spoke at Galilee. And the commission is to bring, to the, bring the gospel to wherever Christ is Lord, which is everywhere. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what your life looks like and, and where you are located when it comes to your faith in Jesus. But today is a day for you to choose him. Today is a day for you to actually find Jesus. And in finding Jesus, allowing his Holy Spirit to empower you into the work that he has for you because he is a good God. He's a good father.
wherever you are, if you're sitting, why don't you just stand with me right now? Jesus says, follow me and I will make you. The disciples' making came into fulfillment at the cost of his sacrifice. That is the gospel message. In Philippians 2, verse 5 to 11, it says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in, the very, na- in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. By becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Preach the gospel. That is our mission, to preach the gospel. Wherever you are, it is to preach the gospel. The gospel is this that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit found it so important to create you out of an abundance of love, not out of need, for He and Himself needs not. Out of abundance of love, found it important to create you. And in our own rebellion, in our own rejection of Him, He found it important to create a story that made sure that your importance was not lost, that you may find salvation for your rebellion, for the things that you've done wrong, even though the list may be multitudes long. No matter what you have done in your life, no matter what you have become in your life, salvation is for you because Jesus is here with you now. God found it important that you would still be breathing at this moment so that you might receive an invitation to know Him, to come into relationship with Him. Why? Because He finds you important. Because He sees purpose on your life. Because He sees favour on your life. Because He sees more than you do on your life. God found it important to create you and to recreate a story that would include you regardless of your sin, regardless of your failures. And not only that, to send Himself, God sent Himself as man to take the place of a cross that was shaped for you. That cross was shaped for you. Yet Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God Himself took the place of that cross Why? So that you might find freedom from your sins, salvation in Him, so that you might be baptized back into relationship with the very God that created you, so that you may be empowered by His Spirit to go on mission so that others would know the freedom that you get to receive today. That is the gospel message. That is the message that we have been equipped with, that we've been asked to carry into this world. It is a simple message. It is a simple message that brings great freedom. So wherever you are, as you are standing, would you just open up your heart and open up your hands to receive from God right now? If that is you today, and if you wanna accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, If you have found yourself in a place where you cannot get out of, then I know the one that can help you. I know the one that can lift you out of your greatest sorrows. I know the one that can heal you from your greatest pains. His name is Jesus Christ and He is Lord Almighty over all nations. And so today, if that is you, would you just pray this simple prayer with me? 
Would you just invite Jesus as your Lord? Would you just say, I want to have relationship with you, Father. I want to have relationship with you, Jesus. I want to have relationship with you, Holy Spirit. So right now, repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you that he died for my sins and that he has risen again because you found me of importance. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Empower me with your spirit. Seal me in your love as I go on mission for you. Forgive me of my sins. Redeem me. I step into your promises. In Jesus' name, amen. If that is you today, praise God. He has a purpose for you. He has so much in store for you. Wherever you are, if you are not connected to a local church, find a local church and let them know that you accepted Jesus Christ into your life. If you are a part of our community, then let us know that you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life. Church, we're not done quite yet. Acts 2 verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That reveals the church of Christ being born. That not only would He, God, come to this earth to redeem us of our sins by dying on a cross and then proving Himself to be God by raising again from the dead, being resurrected from death, defeating death. But He would then equip us with His very nature, the Holy Spirit, empowering us with the Holy Spirit to what? To bring the good news. The gospel message, church, preach the gospel message. I am believing that this next month and beyond is gonna be miracles for salvation. This is a miracle month. This is a miracle. This is a miracle month that we would see salvations upon salvations upon salvations, that people would come to know the love of the Father, the love of the Son and the love of the Holy Spirit and they would be empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out. If you have not received the Holy Spirit today, if you have never received the Holy Spirit, today is the day you ask and you shall receive. The Lord says you ask and you shall receive. Why would God rob Himself of you when He gave all of Himself for you? Receive the Holy Spirit wherever you are right now. Just say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. I receive you Holy Spirit. So right now, Father God, we just ask, Holy Spirit, come. Pour out your presence wherever they are. Empower them with your spirit. Empower them in your gifts. Holy Spirit, come. Empower them for the work of the ministry, Father God, to bring the good news that we would not hoard you for ourselves, but we would just overflow your nature to this world. Empower us with your Holy Spirit. So come Holy Spirit, for those who are asking, come and fill them, baptize them in the Holy Spirit right now. Fill them with your presence. Let them be empowered by your presence to go forth into this world, to know that you go with them. 
As Jesus says, I am with you always. Let your presence go with them always. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, Lord. Church, we're gonna enter into a time of worship. And this, as we enter into this time of worship, let us obey the teachings and the commands of Jesus Christ that we would go and baptize, that we would go and preach, that we would go and bring the gospel message of Jesus Christ, that we would not keep it to ourselves. There are too many people hungry for salvation. There are too many people who are dead that need to be alive. We are on mission to bring Jesus into this world. So as we worship, come with surrender, come with obedience. And I leave you with this that we find in the passage of Isaiah. At the sound of their voices declaring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. If the doorposts and the thresholds shake, how then can we stand in the presence of God? We hope you enjoyed this message. We would love you to subscribe to our weekly podcast. Other ways you can connect with Avant Life is through YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out our website at avantlifechurch.com.